<clears throat> invite you to open your Bible tonight with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7 and focusing this evening on verse 7. Just to remind you again of uh, the context, this is a letter. And Peter, if you remember, begins the letter uh, just delighting in God's great gift of new life. We have a new hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have an inheritance that's kept for us. So he reminds the the church there of uh, their identity and then uh, God's calling on them to be holy and to live in the world in a way that magnifies and proclaims the excellencies of, of God who called them. And then once again, moving into chapter 2, 13, he moves into submission as one of the key ways that a Christian shows the glory of Jesus. As we live in the world submitting to authorities, both in the broad scene spectrum, governmental authorities, and then masters, and then to moving to wives in the home, and then he has a word for husbands and well as well, and we'll be looking at that tonight. Let's pick it up at verse 1 of chapter 3. <clears throat> Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, may, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, conduct not let, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, Or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Then our text tonight, likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I think there was an outline handed out to you, maybe to help you follow along tonight. The title of my message is, When a Man Loves a Woman. Uh, Some of you are probably thinking of the song uh, performed, recorded by Percy Sledge in 1965, or Michael Bolton uh, more recently than that. Well, my hope is that when you think of a man loving a woman, you think of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I think it's in one verse, one of the uh, nicest, tightest um, descriptions of, of how a husband ought to live with his wife that we find in the Bible. Last week, we noted God's calling on his beloved daughters uh, to magnify the glory of Christ's submission by submitting gladly to their husbands. And we just took some time to, to, to note how beautiful and precious that submission is in the eyes of God. God loves the, the beautiful submission of a wife uh, to her husband. It's one of the great signposts in the world of the beauty of Christ's submission in the work of redemption. It's a, it's a wonderful evidence in the world that uh, when a woman submits to her husband in Christ, she does not lose her life, as the world assumes, but she gains glory and honor and beauty in the eyes of God. And we, and we saw the, the witnessing power of that sort of life, that without words, a woman can have a devastating uh, gospel witness uh, can, and can be a, a mighty weapon in the hands of God who uses humility to shame 
the proud and weakness to overthrow the strong. And then we touched last week on this idea that since the submission of a, of a, a godly wife is so extremely valuable in the eyes of God because it is so precious to him, it is a grievous sin for a husband to use that calling for his own benefit. Uh, men, God has laid on our wives this, this calling that seems so bizarre to the world and is so contrary to human nature. And yet God's laid this calling on our sisters in Christ, on his precious daughters, so that she might in the home and in her marriage point to the beauty of Jesus and the glory of God, the truth of the gospel. That's the, that's the great purpose of her calling, and it's an awful thing then for a husband to abuse that calling for his own idolatrous, self-serving ends. I think we can get a sense of how wrong it would be for, for, for us to do that. If you just think about fathers, if, if you have a, a daughter that you uh, love very much and you've trained that daughter, you've taught her how to be respectful and, and to obey her, her uh, elders, to obey adults, and then some man came along and, and took advantage of your daughter's innocence and her desire to please God and be obedient and took advantage of that to somehow abuse her, that would infuriate you as a husband, as a father. And I wonder if in our text tonight we don't see that God is... is highly offended when we abuse our wife's desire to obey what she sees in her Bible and honor her father, and we take for granted her willingness to submit to us and use that submission then for our own ends. And so I guess tonight I just want to give the sense that we're dealing here with serious things, and we need to deal with them seriously. This is a calling uh, that matters for husbands. And so tonight uh, we have... uh, Peter reminding us of God's calling uh, for husbands. God's calling for husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way. There's been a lot of debate about what, that, uh, what Peter means by that. Uh, most English uh, translations um, interpret this to mean that husbands are to be, con- to be considerate. Uh, so NIV, husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. The NRSV, husbands show consideration uh, for your wives in your life together. I think a particularly unhelpful uh, paraphrase can be found in the message, which reads, be good husbands to your wives, honor them, delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. I don't think that's quite what Peter had in mind. Uh, the, the general sense that you get from those translations is that God, if you just think about this, after laying this high and holy and beautiful calling upon our our wives, upon his daughters, to to honor Christ, to magnify the gospel as they take on this role, as Jesus took on the role of being a servant, and and now our wives imitate him, and they take on this, this holy calling to submit it's almost as if now God would be casually recommending to husbands that they, uh, they try to be nice, uh, right? Uh, be considerate. So, I mean, hold the car door open for her. Uh, be willing to watch the children from time to time. Maybe even give her some free time so she can go grocery shopping by herself. And, uh, and you could maybe volunteer to carry in the groceries or help her at least when she gets home. You know, be a good husband. 
Show a little consideration. Some of you guys are thinking, man, that sounds like a lot. No, just kidding. <laughs> but that cannot be what it's about. Peter can't be just be saying, be nice. After he's laid this incredible, beautiful calling on the wife. And, of course, that's not what he's doing. He's laying something awesome on husbands. Live with your wife. The Greek literally reads, according to knowledge. Live with her according to knowledge. Well, again, what knowledge then would Peter have in mind? Well, the immediate context, just we're going to come to it, is to live with your wife understanding who she is by nature and by grace. Understand who she is as a woman and as a fellow heir of eternal life. But I think that Peter has a bigger picture than only that in mind. The word likewise, you notice it shows up in verse 1 as well. Likewise, wives pointing a wife directly back to the example of Jesus Christ. And when Peter uses the word here in verse 7, likewise, I don't think he's calling husbands to submit as Christ submitted. I do think he wants to bring Christ into the picture once again. That a, the, the first part of a, a husband living as a, um, a Christian husband is to act like a Christian is that be aware of the, the gospel. And the reason I, I say that is both this word likewise, but also in chapter 114, uh, Peter talks about people who are not converted. He says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. When, when we find the, the concept of living in the knowledge of God or growing in the grace and knowledge of God, the, the, the idea is that there's, something has come into the world in the gospel um, whereby we can come out of our spiritual blindness, our spiritual ignorance, our spiritual foolishness, spiritual deadness. We come out of the darkness and into the light, into the truth, into the knowledge, into communion with God through Jesus Christ. So there's, there's former ignorance, now there's knowledge, now there's understanding. And he's calling us as husbands to live with our wives with that awareness of, of what we are by nature, of who God is in truth, of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, of what is promised to us in Christ, the grace that we have, what it means now to live not for ourselves but for him. So, so live with your wife with a cognizance, an awareness of the glorious realities of the gospel. You see, men, far too often, I think it's very easy for us to live with our wives and to respond to our wives without really thinking about the gospel. So we think of, we, we live with them not really thinking about the example of Christ and his self-sacrificial love, not really thinking about the truth that, that we've been rescued radically and completely without deserving it by the grace of God. We're heirs of heaven. We have this calling now from God to serve him. Those just aren't the, that's not the functioning theology uh, that, we're, that we're living with as we live with our wives. Instead, we tend to dwell with our wives according to our parents' example, or according to um, the pattern that we see in the culture around us, or just according to our own self-centered desires and rationaliza rationalizations. And so we do things that, that seem normal to us, that seem natural to us, that even seem justifiable to us. This is just what husbands do. 
Husbands don't do certain things. Like I, I, I grew up, husbands didn't do dishes. Now, again, we had a farm, and so we, that was the way it was. Guys did the outside stuff. Girls did the inside stuff. When I got married, that means, uh, you know, we didn't have cows any longer. I couldn't help that. Um, <clears throat> if we had them, I'd go milk them, but we didn't have them. So I would go hit the couch. And um, that was just the way, that's just the way marriages worked. So that we have just these assumptions about how it ought to be, what it ought to look like, what we ought to be able to expect from our wife and, and what she should rightly expect from us. Those things so often are not formed by anything outside of um, our experiences. They're not being formed by the gospel. Men, let me ask you this. If someone would ask your wife, what would you say has been the greatest influence on your husband as a husband? What would they say? How many of them would say, I'd, I'd have to say that Jesus Christ has been the greatest influence on my husband as a husband? That's what Peter is talking about. He's calling for us to live with our wives as Christians, real Christians. So that we're men who have come face to face with the reality of our own wicked hearts. And so before we're pointing the finger or complaining about her sins, we've been on our knees before the face of God, uh, desperately asking that he would forgive us our sins. Uh, live as, as men who understand that everything that we receive that's not hell is all grace. Live as men who understand the truths of the gospel, the reality of God's kindness, and uh, that, that uh, the fact, you see, is that the gospel is the, only, is the only thing that's great enough, that's mighty enough to break through our, our stubbornness, our pride. It's the only thing that's able to humble us and give us the ability to see the inestimable kindness of God that he, A, lets us to get, he allows us to have a wife at all, and B, that, that this is one of his precious daughters that, that he's asked us to love and to lead, one of his very own daughters. And so Peter says, live with your wives according to knowledge. Wake up to the gospel as husbands. And then Peter brings it down a little more intimately, the husband's consideration, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And so we need to have an understanding of our wife, who she is. I want you to notice, though, in the text here that the, the husband's fundamental disposition toward his wife is what? It's honor. Showing honor. I think that's fascinating because it's not what we would have expected, at least in our natural mind, in the natural world, those who are in submission honor those who are over them. But the gospel turns things upside down, and so the husbands are called to show honor to their wife, to show honor to the one who submits. And the idea of the honor, the word honor here, it carries the idea of great value, great worth, that husbands are to show that we, we understand the value of our wife. In, in, in chapter 117, the same word is used, speaking of our faith, which is more precious than gold. The word precious there has the same thing, the same meaning. So what do, uh, when you ask, um, when you talk about marriages, 
we know that husbands are supposed to love their wives. We know the wives are supposed to respect their husbands, and that's biblical. And yet, here's a word that in, many, in some ways I would say is, is stronger than respect, uh, the word honor. You can, uh, you can respect something without honoring it. Uh, I respected my father's ability to inflict um, bad consequences if I didn't obey him. But that doesn't mean I honored his authority. To honor his authority would be to gladly um, welcome it and receive it. You can respect the police officer who's just pulled you over without honoring him. Um, Paul, Peter is calling husbands to honor their wife. It's a word that would be used in worship. Showing honor means that husbands are to give evidence in their words in their attitudes and their behavior, that they recognize the beauty, the value of their wife as she is according to nature and according to grace. That means, guys, that we, we, have, to, we have to say things like, I am so thankful for you. I think you are wonderful because. I am so proud of you because. Do you realize, guys, nobody, no one else is saying those things to our wife. The world isn't saying, look at you. I mean, five kids, and you're just, you're just knocking it out. I mean, that, that rocks. That's, that's beautiful. The world isn't saying that. They're saying, have you lost your mind? And you're, uh, and you're at home, or you are, you're making your family your priority, and, and, and you... Um, you submit to your husband. I mean, nobody's praising them for that in the world in which, in, in which we live. Nobody's admiring that. Nobody's applauding that. Uh, but, but far too often, husbands aren't applauding. What a gift that our wife is. If we would, if we would just stop and think um, what our life would look like if God hadn't given us our wife. I mean, I would be an immediate train wreck. And you guys know that's true. I mean, nobody... Uh, if, it's just the truth. And so one of the things I've, I'm learning how to say to, to Joanne is just, man, I am so thankful for you. Thank you for being my wife. That's one of the, I just say that oftentimes. Just thank you for hanging in there and putting up with me. Um, Paul, Peter wants us to, to, to show honor, showing honor. According, as I said, to her nature and according to grace. So show honor, honor to her as the weaker vessel. Now, I have, when I grew up, um, I just had the sense that in this verse, Peter is acknowledging that women are weaker and, and by inference then are somehow inferior. This is biblical proof that guys rule, men are strong, somehow superior to women, and women are the weaker sex, right? We've all heard that. They're to be pitied, patronized, pampered, but we need to ask the question, in what sense is the wife the weaker vessel? In what sense is she weaker? So Tom Schreiner says this in his commentary. In what sense are women weaker? Nothing in the New Testament suggests that women are intellectually inferior, nor is it clear that women are weaker emotionally. Uh, for in many ways, the vulnerability of women in sharing their emotions and feelings demonstrate that they are more courageous and stronger than men emotionally. Nor did Peter suggest that women are weaker morally or spiritually than men. The most obvious meaning, therefore, is that women are weaker than men in terms of sheer strength. And well, that's probably it, isn't it? Uh, guys, let me just ask you. Is uh, your wife weaker than you mentally? 
Well, maybe you're, you, you know more about some things in certain areas, but there are areas where she can undoubtedly run rings around you. Is she weaker than you spiritually? I don't think there's a man here that would, would suggest that their wife is weaker than them spiritually. Weaker than you um, morally? No. We pretty much all married above ourselves. So how is she weaker? She can't carry as many bricks. All right? Good on you. <laughs> right? So you're stronger. Now, that doesn't, that's not meaningless. Peter uses, notice what he says here, living with your wives, um, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Peter is, is he's just, he's, he doesn't say wife there, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. In other words, he's just saying, guys, wake up to the fact that you married a woman. She's not like you. And her lack of um, some physical ability is not a weakness or flaw in her. So when she says, honey, would you help me carrying the groceries? She's not failing somehow. She's a woman. When she asks you to do the, uh, the, 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 the projects around the house, when she asks you to, to take on some physical task, that's not a flaw. She's, she's a woman. And, and Peter is saying that we honor her uniqueness as a female, as a woman. We honor that by serving her with the strength that God has given to us. It should be, as, as, as guys, we should, be, we should feel honored we get to do this. I mean, it's one of the few reasons maybe that, there are, that she lets us hang around. If you think about... Um, Red green. Remember what he says? If your woman doesn't find you handsome, at least she should find you handy. <clears throat> There's some truth to that. <laughs> right? So this, this is a good thing. And men, it's, okay, it's all right for us to uh, delight in our strength, but to use it to serve, not to boast. God calls us to be men who show honor to our wife by serving her with our strength. God delights in that. We recognize what she is and who she is by nature, but also we recognize who she is by grace. Since, it's an important word, showing honor as a weaker vessel, but showing honor since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. One of the primary mistakes that husbands make is that we see our wife almost completely in reference to ourselves. And so she's, she's my wife, and she has these attributes that I like, and she has these attributes that I don't like as much. Um, and uh, we just think of her uh, in relationship to ourselves, or in relationship to the children, or relation, but, but primarily in relationship to our, um, our needs, our desires, our sort of vision of, of what the, the real wife ought to be. And we forget, utterly forget who she actually is by the grace of God. She is a person loved by the Father before the foundation of the earth. God had his eye on her and his plan for her, which you get to be a, a part of it, but you were never the point of it. She was not created simply to be your wife. She's created to be God's child. 
She's created by her father who loves her. And she has a value and a beauty and a worth in Jesus Christ that we get to enjoy and we get to steward, but we never get to assume and we never get to abuse. She's, she's the father's daughter. She's purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and is very precious to him. That means that she is a disciple of Jesus before she's your wife. He gets prior claim He's the Lord of her in, in this life and her Savior in this life. He is her eternal groom in the life to come. And so that means that we get this, this precious daughter of God that he allows to be in our home and to, to help us and walk with us for a little while. But she's an heir, co-heir of the grace of life. And, and I think it's important that Peter points out the grace here. She needs grace. She's a sinner still. Just like you are. She's a sinner. She's not yet perfected. Jesus knows that. But she receives his grace. The grace of life. The grace that's going to carry her all the way through. One of the things that I think happens in a Christian marriage as you, as you grow older together, as you start realizing that um, it's not about, ultimately, it's not about, a marriage isn't about just this life. It's not just about having a house and having children. It's not even about having grandchildren. It's not about whatever uh, pleasures that you have as a, a couple and having a companion. Those are all wonderful blessings. But ultimately, a marriage is about helping each other on to heaven. That's really, end of the day, what it's about. And men, she will not be your wife forever. She will be your wife only now, not in heaven. She's your sister in faith, right, forever. And, I, you know, just a word to the wise, too. Be nice to your wife. She'll probably live in a better neighborhood than you in heaven. <clears throat> right? She's going to be up the hill a ways, probably. Because um, most of our wives are just better than we are. I don't think that's, I'll acknowledge that by a long shot. She's an heir. She belongs to Jesus. And that should affect the way that we interact with her. You see, if you're just interacting with your wife just on the level of what you think she ought to be um, and what she's not being and how she's not serving or she's not getting, uh, if that's all you're doing, you're, you're blind to the gospel, you're blind to who she is. And, and it's a scary thing to be blind to the fact that this is a person made in the image of God. This is a daughter of the Father. This is a blood-bought um, sister in grace. And if we don't, if we're not aware of that and awake to that, we are going to, we're going to sin against her, and we're going to sin against her heavenly Father. We're going to sin against her Savior, and he takes note. And that's the last point here, the husband's corrective, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And if you haven't heard anything else about the message tonight, I just want you to, men to think about this. This is one of the things that um, God used in my life to really um, make me think differently about how I treated uh, my wife. Because what it says is that if, if we're not loving our wife, a God is not interested in having a relationship with us. God takes great personal interest in how we treat his daughter. He loves her. 
His, uh, her submission in Christ is precious to him. And if we are not loving her, then according to the gospel, according, uh, if we're not honoring her as a weaker vessel, uh, if we're not honoring her as a co-heir of life, then what God wants us to know is that it doesn't really matter what you profess to believe. It does not matter how hard you work, how diligently you do, maybe a thousand different things. It doesn't really matter what your external morality looks like. God won't answer your prayers. Now, that might not have a lot of impact on you. Maybe our prayer lives are, are not very strong anyhow, and so that just doesn't really... Um, grab us. Well, it ought to grab us. In a few verses, Peter's going to reference Psalm 34, which reads in part, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's what he's talking about. If, if we don't honor, show honor to our wife, if, if we don't understand who she is and we don't live with her according to that knowledge, what the, what the text says is that the face of the Lord will be against you. You want to know how far you're going to get in life with the face of God against you? Do you, know how, you want to know how much flourishing there's going to be in your life with the face of God against you? You want to know how much fruit you're going to bear? How significant a life you will actually live in terms of eternal things if the face of God is, is against you? You're not going to make headway at all. Have you ever wondered why God isn't answering your prayers? Maybe you've been praying for a job. Maybe you've been praying for health. Maybe you've been praying for victory over besetting sin like lust. You know, I, I, I think one of the reasons God lets men struggle with hard sins is because he wants them to learn how to love their wife. And I don't think that's making it too simple. Why, you see, why should God hear about our concerns when we're not concerned about his concerns? So Peter is saying, guys, this is just straight from the text, that if we don't live with our wives according to knowledge, God is not going to respond to us as we want him and need him to respond to us. It's like the verse that says, if you don't forgive other people, then God won't forgive you. So it has the same feel to it, same drama in it, same significance, right? God is basically saying, do you value forgiveness? Then give it. And if you don't value it, don't ask for it. Do you value God's blessing? Love your wife. Love your wife. Honor her. Grudem writes, so concerned is God that Christian husbands live in an understanding and loving way with their wives that he interrupts his relationship with them when they're not doing so. No Christian husband should presume to think that any spiritual good will be accomplished by his life unless he lives with his wife in an understanding way, bestowing honor uh, on her. And so uh, that's the text. One of the things that's encouraging to me is that uh, Peter had a wife. We know that in Mark chapter 130, Jesus, one of his earliest miracles was that he... he um, healed Peter's mother-in-law. Um, I would think that Peter, uh, if you remember what he was like when he was a young man, he was very brash, very self-confident, very bold, probably a lousy husband. And now this is 35 years later that he's writing this letter, and I believe Peter has been changed by the gospel, and, 
And that's good news for us guys, that God can change us. God can teach us how to love our wives. God can teach us how to love this precious gift that he's given to us. Let me, let me just wrap with some practical um, applications. Let me, let me give a, a word of advice to uh, young women who are looking for a husband. Uh, we live in a culture here in West Michigan in particular that puts a very high value on marriage. I'm thankful for that, but it can easily idolatrize uh, marriage. And young girls, I think, can feel a, a pressure to enter into a marriage and sometimes unwisely. Could I just, just recommend this verse to you as sort of your guideline as you're looking for a husband? Is this what this man looks like? He's going to be a sinner. But as you watch him, as he interacts with people, as you watch him, as he interacts with the faith, as he, as he deals with, with his Bible and, and with the church and with his own heart uh, and, and as he deals with maybe his mom? I mean, are you, are you seeing a guy that understands what a woman is? Do you see a, ma a man who understands who he is and what the gospel is about and what his calling is? Let me just, just plead with you, young ladies, to, to, to pay attention to 1 Peter 3, 7. Let, let me put a charge to young men. Do you want to be married? Then beg that God would help you grow in this right here. There are all sorts of uh, other models out there that the world is putting in front of you. The macho guy, the really sensitive guy, the sort of a drifting guy. Uh, what, what, what our sisters, young sisters in Christ are praying for is uh, a 1 Peter 3, 7 kind of guy. Let me, so let me put that in front of young men. Say, I, I want to be, be this kind of man as I deal with women. And that means right now as you deal with, with, with um with women in your mind, in your heart, in your friendships. But let me speak here practically to, to men, to married men. I think every one of us would admit that we can, we can do better. We can do maybe, maybe a lot better. But that starts, guys, with dealing with God. There's, it just starts with you and your relationship. Maybe it starts with you having a conversation with your wife and saying, where am I at? In terms of 1 Peter 3, 7, how am I doing? And then, and then brace yourself. You might want to be sitting down. Maybe she can write it out for you. That might be nice. And you can just read it and wince and pray and then go back. But have the conversation. Because we want to be this kind of a husband. Have the conversation. And then go to God with it. Go to the Lord. Uh, men, remember that we took a vow. We took a vow to love, to honor to cherish till death do we part. We promised it right in front of God and right in front of her family and in front of the, the, the people of God. We took a vow. And we're not keeping it far too often. And we've got reasons for not keeping it. We're tired. We're busy. Uh, work isn't going well. We're not feeling well. There's lots of reasons, but we took the vow. And there weren't any escape clauses. We just, we just said we would do it. And that means that when we fail to do it, we need to acknowledge it and confess it. And we need to ask our wives to forgive us. And then we need to determine, how are we going to change? Well, pray that God would help you see your wife the way that he sees her. Every one of us, guys, would, would be able to point out uh, things in our wife that we wish were different. Of course, the truth is that uh, when you've been married for 
25 years, you're going to realize that so many of the things that you wish were different now, you're so incredibly thankful, are exactly the way they are. But learn to see her through Scripture, through the eyes of, of God, and, and learn then that you've got a calling. You get to do something no other man gets to do. You get to walk with this woman. You get to know her more intimately than any other man will ever know her. You get to know all of her weaknesses. You get to know her fears. You get to know um, the real flaws. And you get to minister grace to this person. If God would be gracious for 50, maybe 60 years, you get to walk with this person to help her understand the gospel better, to help her understand who she is, to help her appreciate how beautiful she is in the eyes of God and what a blessing she is to you and if God grants to your children. You get to help this one person more than anyone else in her whole life, more than her parents, more than her friends, more than her kids. You get to help her on to heaven. And on the flip side, you see, if, if we don't lay hold of that, we can be the greatest obstacle to her joy in this life imaginable. Guys, I, I hope that you get a sense of, of what a great calling we have to be Christian husbands. What a, what a, what a wonderful thing it is. Aren't you glad that, we're, that, that God has given us the wisdom to not waste our life living for our puny little self? Not waste our life uh, just uh, looking for people to serve us, but God wakes us up to the fact that we get to be real men by loving our wife. And there's a gospel witness in that as well. Um, I just think of the story of Ken Smith or Rosario Butterfield. Remember when she first started going over to Ken Smith's home? What, what is, what's one of the first things she noticed? What was she assuming what she would find in an evangelical Christian home? She was assuming she would find an, a domineering, overbearing, self-centered man ordering his wife around. That's what the world thinks they're going to find in our homes. Too often that is what they find in our homes. When she came into Kevin Smith's home, here's a woman uh, who is the, um, teaches queer theory at Syracuse University. She's, an, she's a lesbian, an absolute unbeliever. And she walks into a home, and what does she notice? She notices how kind Ken is towards his wife. He notice, she notices how thankful he is, how he helps with the dishes. It's one of the things that God used to make her begin to wonder, maybe she got the Christians wrong. Maybe she didn't understand everything there was to know about Christians. Men, we have children, if God grants. You have children in your home, and they're looking to you, particularly your boys, and they're watching how you treat mom, how you love her. And they need, they need to see that the gospel makes a difference, not just when you come to church on a Sunday, but the gospel makes a difference when it's time for, to bless mom, when it's time to participate in the family and time to take care of the home. Uh, so, guys, that's the calling. It's, it's a sobering calling, but it's a beautiful calling, and, and God gives us the grace if we'll, if we'll lay hold of it. May God grant that we grow as men who know how to love our woman. Amen. Father in heaven, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us a calling as men to live with our wives in an understanding way according to the knowledge 
I thank you that you've called us to be real men. Men who do not live for themselves, for their pleasures, for their interests, for their way. But men who wake up to the beauty and the wonder of the woman they married. Father, forgive us for the sins that we commit against our wives. You know, Lord, the multitude of ways we've failed to keep the vows that we took. And Father, I thank you that your grace is for husbands who've not loved well, who haven't been thankful, who haven't shown honor, who haven't had a clue to the beauty of the woman they go to sleep with every night. So Father, we, I just pray that in this congregation you would, you would wake us up as men. And Lord, I thank you that we have so many, Lord, men who are serious about the things of God. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, tonight as we hear this, that we, are, we have hearts that want to respond. I, I thank you, Lord, for men who are leading their families and loving their wives. And Lord, I thank you that we can grow together as we are more and more um, shaped by the gospel, as we are more and more uh, aware and awake to how you see our wife, how dearly you love her, and what a blessing she is to us. So Lord, I, I pray that we would be known in the community as men who love their wives, who delight in her, who honor her, who see her as such a precious gift. And Lord, I pray that um, you would use that um, for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ, that people wouldn't just see uh, good men, they would see a beautiful Savior. And Lord, we pray it um, because this is your gift to us in the gospel. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.